lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down. World Football Index's podcast on Calcio at the highest level and told like it is by me, Frank Cravello, uh, and co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing this Sunday night? I thought I'd change up the intro a little bit, you know? Yeah, uh, keep people on their toes. I get keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it fresh, you know. Uh, uh, thank you all for clicking on and getting stuck in with us. I, I'm doing good. Took uh, uh, took my wife out last night for an early uh, uh, Valentine's Day dinner. Um, went to one of the nicer restaurants in our city, uh, seeing that it was our 10th uh, Valentine's Day as a married couple. Uh, so Congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, uh, and uh, the, the food was great, um, uh, but they cannot make a bourbon old-fashioned worth a damn. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think, and I'm not going to name the restaurant just out of respect, um, but I think I dropped 25 bucks on two kitty cocktails for myself last night because I, I definitely did not taste any bourbon. Um, I had to come home and have a nice Willet on the rocks, like a reasonable size one <laughs> to make up for all the bourbon I should have had, uh, in my old fashioned. Yeah. 25 so, bucks and didn't get a buzz. That's a, that's a bad night right there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And my wife just had a had a glass of wine but yeah you no shortage of entertainment but when we got in there i'll just tell the story real quick I'm, I'm getting to this where i want to just tell a non-football related story to break the ice um but we walk in and then there's a there's a round table next to us and there's three couples and there's already like four bottles of wine con- gone already so some guy who's probably in some high up position and just deciding to splurge and you know treat his closest friends and all that other stuff and drop 1500 bucks on di- on on dinner and wine and stuff like that right well, one of the girl, one of the girls at the table is clearly wasted, can't even stay in her seat, and her friend is trying to actually help her leave and is walking her and lo and behold they get to the doorway and she just falls flat on her face. So so um <laughs> so yeah, so we were we were we were entertained for what we what we paid for for our uh for our meals and uh you know uh and it, and um and then the uh the couple next to us uh, a, a lot of complaining from them and to the point where the maitre d' uh, came over. Um, I mean, they were complaining about things like they didn't like how their wine was poured. I've never heard this before. I, I, Those people need to freaking go home. I hate that shit, really. I'm sorry, but it's fucking, you're at a restaurant. Just enjoy yeah. the fucking time. And they got, they got comped a bottle of wine, I guess, but I'm just sitting here. But it made me go, I, you know, thinking back to the round table and the guy that's dropping the 1500 bucks, I said, you know what, if I ever get to a position in that like that in my life, um, I'm not going to a restaurant and dropping 1500 bucks for a fifth of the price. I'll buy the steaks and I'll buy the booze and I'll invite people over. So, you know, that's just how, that's just how I am. Um, but, uh, you know, $1,500, that's, that's, that's round trip airfare for a vacation. Yeah. So, we can go to the peninsula and watch some games. Yeah, exactly. You can go to, you, you know, t- tickets, tickets to fly to Italy and, and, and taking a, taking a Milan game at the San Siro. Uh, you know, or uh, or a Napoli game at the San Paolo, or a Juve game at the J. Um, not to drop on dinner and dinner and wine, and then one of your guests can't even sit in the chair. It's just nuts. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, we enjoyed ourselves, had a good time. Uh, how about yourself? Anything non-calcio uh, that you did this weekend? Non-calcio. Um, oh, you got to no. think deep. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Uh, we, we we relaxed this week, and it was a long week, a uh, long work week, a lot of hours. I put like 19 hours on Thursday into Friday, so oh, I was goodness. beat. So anyway, yeah, we're looking forward to our second uh, Valentine's Day as a married couple this week coming up. So yeah, I mean, 
this week this week should be an exciting week for me um but for us i should say but um yeah this weekend has been very very calm i I repaired cars is what i did this weekend i fixed her car fixed my car got my new tires on my car so that's what kind of weekend it was living the life oh yeah the dream (laughs) oh we have a squirrel in our attic that's that's that was a big story of the weekend Oh, you have a squirrel in your attic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is your is your is your dog looking for it? That's the fun part. Yeah, we're both looking at it like, what the is that? <laughs> I figure it's a squirrel because it's during the daytime, but we'll find yeah, out. We'll day. find out soon enough. Our dog killed a rabbit uh, a few years ago. So can I borrow him? Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's a little older now. I don't think she's that spry, but what uh, uh, you know? But it is it is what it is. So. Now that's all the non-Calcio stuff that went on the weekend. How about we get into the Calcio? Yeah, I think that's what people are jonesing for. Yeah, yeah, they don't want to hear us. Do, they don't want to hear us going on about this. So the marquee game of the weekend, first versus third, heading into the weekend, and we're going to just jump right into it. It was it took place on Saturday night, Napoli and Lazio. Um, Lazio coming off that strange two-one defeat uh, at home to Genoa. Uh, Napoli obviously in a seesaw fight with Juventus at the top of the Serie A table. Um, you know, so a, a lot going on here. And going into this game, Juventus had already won their match. So Napoli needed to win to get back into first. Lazio to have any hope of making this a three-team race uh, for the title, which I think uh, going in with slim to none, with slim already out the door, um, needed to win this game at the San Paolo. Obviously, easier said than done, especially when Simone Inzaghi saying after the Genoa loss that his team is tired. So uh, not a good idea to be tired and have to travel to the San Paolo. No, especially, no. Especially against a Napoli team that was very motivated playing for their teammate, Fauzi Gulam, who looks like um, uh, his recovery is, um, is, 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 is going a little bit different than expected, would be fair to say, wouldn't it, Richard? Yeah, unfortunately. And you can see the camaraderie by the team, by everyone wearing the 31 jersey out when, they, when the team came out. Um, and obviously, he's a, it means a lot to them as a, as a, as a player and as a teammate. Um, so that's a big loss for Napoli, both you know as a teammate as on the pitch, but also someone in the locker room who I'm sure is a great guy. Right, right. And um, you know, certainly uh, you know, we'll get into the performance of his replacement, uh, the guy who's been standing in at that left-back position, Mario Rui, because he was rather good. But uh, you know, before uh, we could really celebrate Napoli here, the visitors were in for being, uh, being party poopers. Uh, just three minutes in, a cross from Ciro Immobile uh, found Stefan De Vries. Il cross con il sinistro di Immobile, la palla in rete, va in vantaggio con De Vrij, la Lazio, sono passati tre minuti di gioco. Was Lazio going to surprise uh, here at the San Paolo and come away with the three points off to the ideal start just three minutes in, taking the 1-0 lead? Um, this is typical, uh, I mean, it was... Not on a set piece, but it was after a set piece with the ball getting recycled, Richard. And these are the ideal times when Napoli give up goals. Yeah, exactly. And of all people to cross it in, it was Ciro Immobile. Uh, this guy does everything. He scores goals. He gets assists. I mean, he's an all-around player. What more can you want from a, from a when you're a catalysman or you know leading players on the team to to lead the team that way? And if he's not scoring goals, he's going to get a big assist like he did there. Yeah, and uh, Stefan De Vries with the lightest of touches uh, you know, direct to, the, to direct the ball past Pepe Reina uh, and put Lazio ahead 1-0. It would be that way uh, for a good bit of time. And then Jorginho channeling his Andre, Andrea Pirlo. 
Giorginio in verticale, Callejon, controllo, Callejon, ha pareggiato il Napoli, ha pareggiato il Napoli al 43esimo minuto, ha segnato José Maria Callejon. And finding José Callejon for the equalizer, what a pass. What a pass and what a touch by uh, Callejon for the goal. So all around, beautiful play. Yeah, but this is what we expect from uh, Napoli. Yeah, uh, Jorginho is very underrated. I mean, what a, I mean, what's, Alan on the pass, right? No, it was, it was oh, Jorginho. Jorginho. Oh, it was Jorginho. Yeah. I mean, it might as well have been Andrea Perla, like you said. I mean, beautiful pass. It's poof, right through the defense and right, right, on, right on tape. Didn't you hear me? Didn't you hear me when I said he was channeling his Andrea Pier, inner Andrea Pirlo? No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was the, shortly after that? Maurizio Sarri was sent yeah. to the sent to the stands. Do we? I I was trying to find out what that what what was going on with that. Do so we know? I think Cajon uh, was uh, fouled on the play or something because I saw he was down on the ground and, and I guess uh, Sarri was trying to stand up for his player and yelling at the referee saying why wasn't it a yellow card or whatever. Um, or something to that effect, and that's when referee said, "Get out of here, boss." Well, that's a second straight week because that happened to Walter Mazzotti with Torino last week. So yeah. apparently, standing up for your player is frowned upon uh, if you're a manager. Instead, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, we got to figure out what to do about that with the referees. Seriously, um, I mean, if uh, they, managers need to be able to back their player in this situation, and I think that, you know, if it was me, I'd if it, it it's worth it being sent to the stands if if it means standing up for my player and defending him, if I think he's been done wrong. so And I think that worked for Napoli, as, as you're going to mention here in a second. Yeah, just uh, Napoli just came out like gangbusters in the second half. Uh, it, was a, uh, it was a cross uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, nice run by Wallace at the near post uh, to tuck it in. A small problem with that. Wallace plays for Lazio, and he put it in his own net. Uh, that would put Napoli up to one, as if Napoli really needed any help. Uh, Wallace helped him. Uh, but just two minutes later, uh, Fauzi Gulam's replacement steps up. Mario Rui. Mario Rui prova il tiro. 3 a 1. 3 a 1. La deviazione di Zelinski. 3 a 1 del Napoli. Well, depending what stat source you look at, uh, some credit Mario Rui with the goal, some credit Piotr Zelinski with the goal. Zelinski didn't know anything about it, it just kind of hit him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give that to Mario Rui. Yeah, I, I, no, I can see that. I mean, he's the one who took the shot. I, like, I definitely saw it deflect off uh, Zelensky, um, but, you know, the guy who takes the shot ultimately should get that. Like, it, like when, when a, a shooter hits it off a defender and they can call it own goal, I, I see you should give it to the, the, the shooter at, at that time. And same thing with this. I'm giving to give it to Mario Rui for sure. Now, that made it 3-1 for Napoli. And then uh, on the 73rd minute, Peter Zelensky gets the ball in the penalty area, starts advancing forward. Two defenders start closing in. You think the space is gone, right? Zilinski sulla sinistra, Zilinski, Zilinski mette in mezzo Mertens e il gol del 4-1, 4-1. Somehow, uh, Zilinski, just a beautiful touch and then the slightest of touches from Dries Mertens to put it back to the goalkeeper. Laura Bradburn's on to something here, Richard. Yeah, class is, class has personified itself week in, week out this last month or so and he's just getting goal after goal and he's moving up the charts. Oh, and what a goal! I mean, out of I mean, it just looked like there was with the, and yes, yeah, you know, Zielinski's what six, seven yards away from the goal, relatively yeah. close to the goalkeeper, and to be able to, the deftest of touches just in between those two defenders, and then Ziel, and, and then for Mertens to be able to, uh, to tuck it past, uh, Thomas Tokosha, uh, Napoli just, you know, running rampant. This is the this is the Napoli we know and love when they're on this when they're on this kind of form and we're at this kind of 
they're at this kind of level, man. They are no one in Italy can beat them. No, um, no. absolutely not. Bravo, Maurizio Sarri's 100th game in charge. Uh, the dedication to Fazi Gulam, everything else. Um, how worried are you about Lazio, though? I am, and I'm not. They, they're, they're still in a good position in the table. Uh, but you know, when you face a big, you know, top level team, a uh, top of the table team, I should say, as Napoli or Juventus, you want to do well in those games because those are benchmarks for you. And you come out and you fall flat on your face like like Lazio did. You got to be concerned there that maybe they're not quite as good as we thought they were. Um, sure, they're beating up on the other teams, but on the lower end of the table. But ultimately, where you want to level yourself against or match yourself up against is the teams at the top. And so, if you can't compete with them like uh, Lazio did fail to do this weekend, um, you start to think, well, maybe uh, they're not as good as we thought, and maybe their their depth isn't quite as good as we were hoping it would be. Uh, Peter Zelinsky coming on from Eric Hamschik, maybe as good a substitution as we've seen. From from a manager, whether it was Saudi or whether it was his assistant on the on the touchline or whether it was Saudi cigarettes, it doesn't matter. That was uh, uh, that was quite the that was quite the call to make that move and pull Marek Hamšík out uh, and have uh, you know Zielinski and with some of his ability, um, he really was a presence and he made an impact on that game quick. Yeah, he was all over the place, and uh, it's good, good. It's good that he's gaining some confidence because uh, even though he's not getting as much pissed up pitch time as he would like, um, he's make, he's taking full advantage of it when he is there, and that can only boast uh, good things for him because uh, Sari's going to see this and that he's going to probably put him in more and earlier and earlier in games. Hmm. Honorable mention for Lorenzo Insigne. He did just about everything in this game, but score. Oh man, he was everywhere. He, I thought he had could at least had a hat trick in this game. Of he had, that's how many good opportunities he had. Um, it seemed like the goal goalpost would move every time he would shoot, just so he would miss it. Uh, he was that good. He was everywhere. Well, that put Napoli back on top, but going into that game, they were second because Juventus took to the pitch on Friday night in a uh, in a big rivalry game uh, against Fiorentina. Richard. Yeah, this was a big matchup with Artemio Franchi uh, between at that point. Um, at that point, before the match, it was second place Juventus visiting the Tuscan hosts who sit in, who sat in eleventh place. Both teams coming off wins last week. Fiorentina won two one at Bologna, uh, while the visitors put up a touchdown on Super Bowl Sunday against Sassuolo. Fiorentina have been Jekyll and Hyde in these big matches uh, with a penchant of winning them when no one expects them to. Um, Drama started right away in the 21st minute when Giovanni Simeone stole the ball off Alexandro, passed to Mark Banassi, who attempted a cross into the box, which was handballed by Giorgio Chiellini in the box. Penalty awarded to La Viola, or so we thought. Uh, VAR would be called on this one, Frank. Uh, and Marco Banassi was concluded to be offsides. Many people were upset with this call. How did you see it? Oh, I was just as upset as everybody. When the, Here's the thing. When the penalty was called, and you know, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the you know, to to the play as it happened. Um, I just saw the penalty, and I said, "What is it that makes me think that this penalty is not going to get taken?" <laughs> so, um, right. uh, you know, I look at who the opponent is, look at the <laughs> reputation, look at the history, read my blog on the Calcio Consultant. You'll know everything you need to know why I just said that. And sure enough, and it was just the longer that was going on, the more you knew there's no way this penalty is happening. And VAR or somebody is cooking up something to make sure this doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> so they call upside. Now, 
I have a big problem with this because the linesman was right in front of the play. Okay. Uh, you go back to that replay. Uh, Alexandro is the one that touches that ball to Benassi and not just once, but twice. Okay. Uh, whether it was inadvertent or not. All right. So very sketchy to make that decision, to make that call. Um, and just another questionable decision. And I don't know what this motivation is. Is this, you know, I wrote about Juventus privilege on the Calcio consultant. We've talked about this at length. Um, or is this everybody's going out of their way to make sure this is a title race all the way to match week 38? I don't know. There's so many unknowns with this, but right now, but you know, given track record and given history, I'm going to, I'm going to side with the former. I think it was a bad decision. I think Fiorentina should have been allowed to have their penalty. Now, normally I, I agree with you wholeheartedly hundred percent. Um, I saw this differently. Um, so I have, I, I have seen a play similar to this in another league, in the Bundesliga, where same thing happened. Well, it was a handball in the box. You think it's a penalty. They look back at it and all of a sudden they call offsides from five minutes prior, or a minute prior. Um, when I saw this initially, I think penalty, no doubt, handball. Um, when I saw the replay, I kind of thought, uh, Simeone got a toe on it that went to Benassi and he was an off, offside position to me. Uh, when the, when that pass went to there was it intentional or not? That's you know it may have not been intentional at all. Um, but to me, it looked like he was offsides, and I can see why they they would call the offsides there. Um, it's a brutal call, um, especially when given the team that was involved in it. Uh, had it been Kievo and Genoa, we probably wouldn't think anything of it. But um, this has happened before, so I can see why why, why all the hate will will go towards uh, Juventus in this case. But like on this one, on this one, one occasion, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with uh, the referee and Juventus on this side and say it was a good call. I need a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> you shitting me? <laughs> no, I mean it, it's fine. I mean, and and I can I can I, t- I can totally see that perspective, but um, you know, and uh, it's I just I I just thought the way it was handled was poor, and you know. It, this isn't a situation where the assistant referee was on the other side of the pitch and couldn't right. see it. He and it was precedent. right in like you front said, of him. Precedent. So I, mean, I, yeah. mean, I, I totally get that too. So. Yeah, it was right in front of him, and he chose not to put his flag up if he thought it was an offside. And he probably recognized that Ale- it was Alexander that touched the ball on and decided not to put his flag up. So it's it's awfully strange, and um, you know, it's it's just it's it's it's. it's it just adds to the it's it it just adds to the suspicion here. So right, so you know, it's, it's really what it does. And so with that, there would be no penalty. Juve would get the ball, no goal. Uh, so this game would go back and forth, continuing on. Uh, and then the 38th minute, we thought we had a breakthrough when Gil Diaz's shot actually went whizzing past Gigi Buffon, uh, but the post was there to make the big save, and Buffon swallowed up the rebound. Um, it was a beautiful, beautiful shot by Jill Diaz. It actually reminded me of uh, uh, Manuel Locatelli in that game that he scored a magnificent goal. Same, same way past Gigi's uh, right hand. And unfortunately for him, this time the post uh, was not on his side, um, making the big save in that one. Um, I think there's a conspiracy there. I think those <laughs> posts were narrowed for when Fiorentina was attacking that goal and they were just magically widened in the second. No, just kidding. <laughs> Well, the game would go into halftime 0-0, surprisingly. Um, but, you know, and the game would start off really quickly in the second half. In the 56th minute, Milan Bidal uh, would foul Federico Bernardeschi at the edge of the box. You had Bernardeschi who would take the kick, or you could have Mirlan Pjanic. 
Upstep Bernadeschi at the edge of the box. It lined up the free kick and... Celfischio! Bernadeschi scores on Marco Sportiello and Juventus up one nothing. Frank, I see Bernadeschi had no problem celebrating in this one. No, and he said that he had said that if he scores, he's going to celebrate. He had said that before the first time those two played each other, so it didn't surprise me. Um, obviously, was happy to get out of that situation. He, he was not happy at Fiorentina for whatever reason. Um, you know, and then uh, to be able to, uh, to to move on to Juventus and. Uh, did what he said he would do. Uh, it was a pretty well taken free kick. Um, I think it was an issue where Sports Yellow probably didn't see it until late. Yeah, uh, yeah. just the way it was taken. Um, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not bouncing off the walls over the quality of the free kick, but it went in. So it counts just as it it, it counts just as much as the one that Roberto Carlos struck uh, back in '97 or '98. Exactly. Um, you know, so they, it's, it, it's on par with that as far as it counting, but, uh, you know, but, uh, it, it, it you know, it, it, player scores on his former team. We've seen this plenty of times and, uh, this time he celebrated. So, yep. Uh, so, uh, Juventus have won nothing at this point. Um, Fiorentina would have their opportunities. Cyril Toro had a great opportunity later in this one, but Buffon intelligently read the play, got, got to the ball before Toro and made the save. Uh, there will be some other opportunities for Fiorentina, but the game would be put to rest in the 86th minute uh, when Giorgio Chiellini, of all people, made a long pass springing you know who. Higuain, the position is regular. Higuain, limit of the area. Enter in the area of rigor, Higuain! Davanti a Sportiello, no sbaglio! 2-0 Juve! Letale Higuain! Gonzalo Higuain, the standard ends the match with his 14th of the season. Juventus win 2 nothing in dramatic and controversial fashion. Um, this game for Juventus, it was important that they won because at, the, at that time it put him in first place. But also they know that uh, Napoli have a big game ahead against Lazio. Uh, there could be a possibility of an of a, of a upset in that game, though we, we just found out that there was none. Um, so Juventus know that they have to win out pretty much uh, to keep pace with Napoli going into their big matchup. Um, so pretty straightforward victory for them, don't you think? Yeah. Other than uh, the controversy. You know, and I think that that, uh, you know, that can shake anybody, but good on Fiorentina for still trying to step up and make this a game, um, you know, despite that. Uh, but we've seen this Juventus team right now with the way they're going about their business. Again, it's, it's, it's 2018. We're in the middle of February, and Juventus has not conceded a goal. Um, unreal. You know, it's unreal. It's, it's a sick run that they're on. Um, and uh, obviously a huge source of confidence for them heading into their game Tuesday against Tottenham. Hopefully it continues uh, for it, uh, it, Italia's sake, or, you know, uh, Serie A, because uh, if they continue this against Tottenham, who, who, have, who have strikers who can score? Uh, Harry Kane, hello. Uh, yeah. This would be very – it will open the eyes of many people outside of Italy. I would I would be very happy to see Juventus get past uh, get past Tottenham and get to the next round. I think they're capable of it. Uh, see, folks, he's not anti Juve. See, see, yeah, see. But I mean, you know, Fiorentina had the had more of the ball, had more chances. Um, you know, it was in the end, it was uh, it was Juventus who made their chances count. And this is this is I, the uh, the seven nil win over Sassuolo is is an outlier. Uh, this is the Juventus we should be used to here from here on out. 
And I think it will be that way when Paulo, when Paulo Dybala is back. I don't think anything will drastically change with his presence in there. Because, I mean, he's been on a layoff here for over a month. you got to get your match fitness back. It's going to be a process. They're not going to go out and dominate anybody. They're going to play a very rigid style. And, and this is this is back to what Allegri said. I, I don't care about playing beautiful football. I care about scoring more goals than the other team. You know, paraphrasing him. And uh, this is exactly what you got here. Uh, found a way to go to a tough environment and get three points. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this is the Juventus we're going to be used to for the rest of the season, both here, uh, the Champions League, and I would also say in the Coppa Italia. Yeah. And Fiorentina, though, they put up a fight. Uh, they, they, they shouldn't look this as a, as a, as a down, down game. Um, no. There, you take positives from this game because you, like you said, they were, they did give it to Juventus. They, they took them to the end. Um, a, a brave performance by them. Uh, they just had to miss some chances. I mean, Chiesa was everywhere again, causing problems. Um, and Veratou had a very good game as well. So, you know, they came up just short, but, you know, it's a moral victory. At this point, you don't want to have a moral victory, especially against Juventus, but you got to take what you can get. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, no shame, no shame here, Fiorentina. It's, uh, it's just the run that Juventus is on at this point. Obviously, I just wonder how the game would have unfolded if they would have been able to have that penalty and if Veratu would have scored. Um, uh, it's kind of funny because my son was watching it because he's, you know, my son's turning into a Juventus fan and. Oh, you know, no. Well, listen, I'll work on this with him, but I'm just happy he's watching. Um, you know, so. And uh, he tells me later on that evening, he said, uh, it's too bad that that guy didn't get a chance to take a penalty against the legendary keeper. So he knows. It's kind of fun. All right. Well, I'll give you that. I'll give you <laughs> yeah. that. He does know who the legend is. But then he called, uh, <laughs> we're watching a little Roma Benevento today, and he called Benevento's goalie a legendary keeper too. So he just, Well, he did know. score a famous goal. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, it was, no it was, Brignoli didn't play today. It was uh, Pugioni that played. But, oh, well, uh, we'll that. Yeah. Um, but uh but it's um you know so 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 you have that at least uh and yeah i would have liked to have seen how things would have unfolded if fiorentina would have been allowed to have that penalty um you know if veratu would have scored it and that's not a given cuz gigi buffon came back and in his first game back in the coppa italia against atalanta he saved a papu gomez penalty so uh so it wouldn't have been a given so i would have liked to have seen that and seen how things would have been unfolded and how Juve would have reacted so um but unfortunately, we didn't get that. So um, Saturday's action, we talked about Napoli-Lazio. That was actually the Saturday night game. But things began with Spal hosting Milan. Uh, Milan coming off a 1-1 draw at Udinese, uh, having to go without the services of Davide Calabria, uh, who was suspended a double yellow. He had been in a very nice run of form up until the suspension. Uh, Spall stumbling. Um, but still playing people relatively tight. Obviously, the difficult 2 0 loss uh, at Cagliari uh, followed uh, a couple of uh, uh, hard earned 1 1 draws uh, against Inter and Udinese. So, this was still a pesky Spall outfit. Uh, so, not, you know, Milan certainly having something to prove uh, in this game. And two minutes in, they would be the one that would strike first. Palluno contro uno con Lazzari, pallone che gira, salva Meret, ma non può nulla sul topin di Patrick Cutrone, meno di due minuti, e il Milan l'ha già sbloccata. Cross came in, uh, Patrick, Patrick Cutrone doing his best people in Zaghi impersonation and poaching one. This would give the Rossoneri a 1-0 lead that they would keep uh, until halftime. 
and into the second half, Milan certainly uh, on the move, searching for opportunities, searching to get that second goal and really try to put this game away. Uh, it came in the four, in the 65th minute. Suso took the shot. Goalkeeper couldn't hang on to it. And guess who imitated Inzaghi again? Appuntare Mattiello. Suso, giocata classica. E poi due volte. Cutrone per ribadire in rete e raddoppiare per il Milan al minuto 65. Suso crea. Cutrone realizza. It was Cutrone with a brace. Uh, so, Richard, 40 million for Andre Silva. Some silly loan obligation or option to buy Nikola Kalinic, but it's the kid that's scoring. Go figure. Good for him. I mean, Milan have been waiting for someone in their own ranks to come up and, and become that next guy. Um, a lot of people, when he was in, in, in the Primavera, they were calling him the next Shevchenko of Milan, possibly, just because his goal-scoring instincts. Um, he's looking more like an Inzaghi with his poaching, poaching ability, but, hey, nonetheless, he's getting goals, and he's winning the he's, – he's becoming a – He's becoming, uh, he's just like as uh, Lapadula was last year. He's become a fan favorite instantly. Uh, it helps when you score goals. Uh, and the crowd's going to love you like that. So he's got, I think, 12 goals in all competitions now. That's uh, pretty amazing. Yes, good for Cutroni. Um, that put Milan up 2-0. Uh, game still maybe relatively in the balance. 2-0 is a vulnerable lead to have, most definitely. But Spall decided they wanted to try playing out of the back. Uh, and it didn't work. And... Uh, Pouncing on it, of all people, Lucas Belia scoring in the 73rd minute, uh, just intercepting a, a short pass intended for one of the midfielders uh, and curling one past Alfred Gomes. You know what, Richard? I thought Belia, goal aside, thought he was terrific. And you know what? He's put in some pretty good games, finally starting to catch on. And this is a guy that took a lot of flack throughout the first half of the season. Yeah, it's it's a really amazing the Gattuso effect is having on players like Bilia, who's actually playing very well as of late. Uh, Kessie, Montalivo's actually played a lot better. Um, Chal- Chalahanalu's playing a lot better. He's getting more pitch time, obviously. Yep. Romagnoli's become a sensation now. He's starting to play consecutively. And he's playing, he was the best defender in this game, I thought. Uh, so a lot of guys have actually responded well uh, to Gattuso's hiring. And Bilia, absolutely, he's, he's looking like the defensive midfielder that we hoped he would be. Um, he's, 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 he's linking the play from the defense to the midfield to the attack. And then when he gets his opportunity, he gets this beautiful goal, perfectly placed curler, uh, past the goalkeeper. Um, it's, it's, it's great to see because I didn't actually think Gattuso would be able to have this kind of effect on his players. And clearly he is. The next highlight that happened in the 90th minute either, uh, really happened or Milan fans were high on shrooms. Non è proprio per Borini che arriva la conclusione e trova il poker. C'è anche la firma di Fabio Borini. Get out of here. No way. No way, Richard. Ricardo Montalivo did not play a defense-splitting pass to Fabio Borini, of all people. (sighs) Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This happened. Gattuso effect, man. He's never, paid, he never, he's never had a forward pass in the last like four years, and all of a sudden he four years, six years. Ever since he signed with Milan, he oh, never played a forward pass. Yeah, there you go. And then like, a beautiful pass to Barini, who did well on the finish. Just a few weeks ago at Fiorentina, he did a little Grincha move to get around a defender and, 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 and play a safe ball. Yeah. And I think I went to Twitter and I said, Montalivo just put a move on a defender to help keep the ball. This is this world's not real to me. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> I remember that tweet. Yeah, no, it's so. it's true. I mean, he looked very good in this game when he came in for Bilia. And uh, I think that's who he came out for. Or was it Kessie? Yep. 
He came on for Bilia. Okay, yeah. And so he, sure. he picked up right where Bilia left off, and he did very well. I mean, even before that goal, he had a couple of runs up the pitch. Like, what? He's coming up the pitch and making some beautiful passes to Suzo or whomever and spreading the ball around. I'm like, okay, I like this. This is uh, surprising, yet it's, I love what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think Gattuso probably just put the fear of God into him and said, look, if you want pitch time, start passing the ball forward. I'm sick of watching you do this. <laughs> so, um, so... All right. Uh, I talked about this on our on our podcast uh, a couple months ago when he was appointed. I had a, a further blog about this arguing. Hold on, Milan fans. This Gattuso hiring might actually be a good thing. Gattuso might actually be a good manager and just needs the environment to be in. Now he's got the environment and he's showing his talent. Is your opinion, clearly our opinion of Gattuso, everybody's opinion of Gattuso now as a manager, uh, is, is different than it was two months ago when this appointment was made. Absolutely. When it first was hired, my first initial gut instinct was I hate it. Uh, I love the player. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite players ever. Uh, but I hated the appointment because he really didn't have, do well in his previous stints. After I had some time to analyze it, we came on the podcast. We both were in the same boat where we're thinking, okay, give us some time. Let's see how it goes. We'll see. It's, it's, it, could be, it could work out. It was, um, the right time. it was the right time to make the move. Yeah, and it was. Look at all of the... In- places that look at all the jobs he took on prior to that i mean basically all of those jobs he was yeah he was hired to be fired um you know there's just no real chance palermo and then sion in switzerland which is the palermo of switzerland Um, pisa he did well once when the first season and the second season when he got promoted they he it was he had a struggle but and then have money and then yeah and then crete in greece yeah couldn't afford to pay their players and he was still still hanging in there trying to take on the responsibility of of being the team's manager so he took on some really tough jobs and 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 now that he's got a job like this i think that uh he's really showing his qualities as a manager and 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 to your point you know the effect that he's having on players you look at lucas bielia playing with a lot of confidence you look at frank kessie he's bringing you know, up really, the best in players yeah taking on the attitude of his uh, of his coach romagnoli's been been good you know we talked about calabria up until uh up until last week and you know even we can give him a pass for that considering his form bonucci's um, back into his almost his form that he was at juventus um, it's 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 amazing what what what, he, what Gattuso is doing, and you know tactically, I'm I'm still out there to see when he gets into the Europa League games how he's going to handle those and and the big matchups, you know, in the rest of Serie A. But as of right now, he's got the guys believing, and that's the important thing. They yeah. were lacking confidence for so long. Now they've got the confidence back, starting to get some swagger. Cutrone is giving them uh, these goals that they need much needed. It's going to be curious to see whether Cutrone starts or is it uh, Andre Silva coming in Europa League. Yeah, it's. Uh... Interesting, nonetheless. I, I got to think that on Thursday against Little Gritz, uh, Andre Silva is going to get the start. He's been the one starting in the Europa League matches, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how they handle that. So, um, but uh, yeah, fantastic. And Spall, ugh, this is ugly. Um, not not typical Spall. Not the Spall that we've been accustomed to seeing this season, despite them being in 18th place. Yeah, normally they give they're a feisty team that give it uh, give a team all they can handle. Uh, but this one, after that second goal, and definitely in the third goal, they just lost it and they they give up at that point. Um, and it's very unspall like. Uh, yes, they lose a lot, but it's very close typically, and usually it's a two nothing, two one, one nothing game for them. So to lose four nothing like that, it's uh, very uncharacteristic uncharacteristic for them and. Um, being at being at home, it's just uh, even more um, worrisome, I guess. Hopefully, it's just a blip on the radar. But I think this is a couple times in the last two, three weeks that they've they've had results like this, huh? 
I'm I'm concerned for them. I think that they're I think that they're running out of steam here. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and uh, it doesn't look good when you know they their their, their hope here is that. And we'll talk about them here coming up uh, in a little bit. Kievo is the one team out of the teams in front of them, I think, would be the most ripe for, you know, getting pulled back in. If Spall are going to survive over anybody, I think it's Kievo, um, you know, at this point. I think Crotone has kind of gotten their house in order under Walter Zenga a little bit. Yeah. And you're going to talk about them right now. I am. Indeed, uh, Crotone would host Atalanta. Uh, speaking of Atalanta, Papu Gomez, you were mentioning here earlier, um, we all know him for his Papu Gomez dance, the Papu dance. <laughs> I would, not culture related, but what it is, I was watching a little bit of the Olympic, uh, you know, games here because the Winter Olympics going on, and they're showing some of the U.S. team members, and one of the one of the women was doing the Papu Gomez dance, and I, I started laughing out loud. And my wife's like, "What the heck are you laughing?" At? I'm like, "She's doing the Papu Gomez. She's doing the Papu Gomez." Anyway, you're, you're the one viewer. You're the one household. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> I got the great ratings there. So no, no, we've been watching a little bit of it too. So, <laughs> but back to the game uh, and Papa Gomez's team. Um, this was a this match would be a big test for the home team, as you know they welcomed the very informed Atalanta team looking to continue to progress up the charts. Early on, though, Andrea Nalini was given ample uh, ample space, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go give a shot off, and he had a very good shot that actually fa- that forced uh, Itrit Berisha to make a great save on a shot that would look like it was destined for the top corner of the goal. Um, a little later, Joseph Ilicic likewise forced a big save from Alex Cordaz off a off a free kick. Um, Cordaz did well there, you know. Yes, he was in our crapper to cracker team, but um, he has had some good some performances uh, so far the second half of the season. The the, the game surprisingly went halftime zero zero. Um, a good effort by by Crotone at home, and maybe it was just uh, they caught Atalanta a little bit. Um, Atalanta maybe looking ahead to maybe Europa League this weekend, and maybe took uh, Crotone for granted. I don't know. I mean, I look at this. I look at the team that they put out, and then it's it, the strength of it's reasonable. You don't have a Caldara in there. Um, Palomino started, um, and uh, you know, no Papu Gomez to speak of. Um, but you know, so the the, uh, the the strength of the team was reasonable. Even the substitutions, Remo Froiler came on, uh, Musa Barro made an appearance as well. Those were the only substitutions. So uh, Gasparini treated this like a, a a need we need to get three points, and and obviously with enough days off to prepare for uh, the trip to Dortmund. Um, I, Maybe it's like uh, you said, Crotone are just uh, playing that much better against Wal- under under Wal- Walter Zenga, and you know they're ready for this matchup. Maybe maybe not necessarily Atalanta, but you know Crotone are definitely be- are not as uh, easy out as they have been in the past. Yeah, they've they they have been uh, playing a lot tougher um, lately. They've tightened it up a little bit defensively. They're better, uh, you know, still lacking in the goals, uh, but you know they, they got an important one. To, they got an important one this one. Yeah, yeah. So. Atalanta, I thought they had several chances in this one. Uh, chance after chance fell short. And as we know in football, the football gods find a way to peg you back. A player I wrote about got the host on the board when Rolando Mandragora started the play, passing the ball into the six-yard box. Chaos ensued. Berisha lost sight of the ball. And coming full circle... Con il secondo gol in questo campionato di Rolando Mandragora. 
Mandragora finished off the play, giving Crotone the lead. His second goal of the campaign coming with 10 minutes left to play. Frank, at this point, you got to be thinking as a Crotone fan, we just stole three points. Probably. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a funny old game, isn't it? And um, clearly, uh, Atalanta having a little bit more of the ball, creating some meaningful chances. You know, Crotone taking advantage on some counters. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mandragora, or is it Mandragora? I, I've heard it pronounced. Mandragora, both. yeah, it's, it's whatever. It's, we know who he is. <laughs> yeah, we know who he is. He's going to have a future at Juventus. Um, but, uh, he, um, stepped through, stepped through and took his chance. Uh, and, you know, it's a game of chances. And, uh, if it's, it's one of the, it's, it's, uh, one of my mentors told me that, you know, you keep, if you can keep the other team out, you only need one. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, yeah, Crotone was looking like they were uh, they were on their way to three uh, three points of that were you know oh look what I found three points <laughs> so yeah yeah they they thought for sure three points in the bag uh, and then they kind of let their guard down. Atalanta had a corner kick. Um, the corner kick came in, ball bounced around the box somehow, some way. Jose Luis Palomino levels the game with two minutes to spare. Frank, big question. Who the heck is Jose Luis Palomino? Another center back that scores for Atalanta. Apparently, all of these center backs have been yeah. scoring. Toloi, Palomino, Maciello, Caldada. It's just uh, Gasparini does his homework on set pieces. You know, gets these guys in the right spots. And, um, you know, it also helps to have very good corner takers on Atalanta. You know, Gomez didn't play in this game. But, you know, certainly Ilicic is capable, um, you know, and some of these other guys. So... Um, what did you make of Atalanta going with Petania and Cornelius uh, up front together in this game, going with two strikers? I thought they wanted to try something different. Uh, obviously, you know, usually when you have someone like uh, a Papu Gomez there who can pull the strings, they, they it felt that maybe Petania had that ability, and so and actually both players they have the ability of holding up the ball and and passing it around to to their teammates. They thought maybe they could go with the two strikers, have a a second option, if you will. Um, so when Papu Gomez is down, they have another way of scoring. They gave it a go. It wasn't the best of results for them, obviously, because they they did draw, they didn't win, but. Um, I, I thought that was interesting to see, you know, two guys who pretty much play the same style of, of, of play uh, on the pitch at the same time. But um, I, I could see where it worked because they've done it before. It wasn't just them two before. Obviously, Papu Gomez was in the game, so you had him there. But um, those two players, I thought, um, ha- have opportunity and have a, a chance to do well. It just it'll take some time for them to get on the same page. Mm. It's uh, it's it's a rarity. I think that they're better off when they can. When they can run either Petania or Cornelius with with you know being flanked by Ilicic and uh, yes yes uh, Gomez, so uh, you know probably just going out of his way to have Gomez rested for for Thursday uh, against Dortmund in the Europa League, yeah. you know at this point. So, um, uh, so that's uh, that's what uh, that's what happened in that game. Um, you know, I'm just looking here to see apparently. Um, Sassuolo and Cagliari got together at the Mapei Stadium. Uh, I think they uh, sampled some wine. I think the uh, the Cagliari people brought some of their nice uh, uh, seafood cuisine. Uh, you know, the Sassuolo, whatever the local fare is there. I mean, <laughs> but anything but a football match broke out, uh, you know, over these 90 minutes. I'm just guessing because it ended nil-nil. Um, I mean, hardly any football played here. When you take a look at the statistics, I mean, this is just pathetic. 
um, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, Sassuolo generated, certainly generated some chances here, but, uh, only 14 shots, but only two on target. So it's like Calgary wasn't even threatened. Um, conversely, Calgary, five shots, two on target. I mean, I, I don't need to say any more about this game. Do I? No, well, let's All move right. on. Let's move on. Kievo, Kievo, Genoa. Was that a little bit better at least? It was a very smidgen better on this one. Uh, we did have a goal in this one. Um, a game with no real action worth mentioning, to be honest. A uh, game looked like a classic 0-0, much like the game before. Frank, um, last week, Diego Laxalt left it late for Genoa for a big three points. The Uruguayan was sipping more of that Kool-Aid again and found the late magic once again when the ball found him at the edge of the box. Laxalta, prova la conclusione! Laxalta, ancora lui! Diego Laxalt scores in the first minute of stoppage time, and Genoa steal all three points. That's back-to-back weeks for Laxalt now, Frank. Um, he's starting to get a little bit of confidence there with these late goals. Uh, Genoa are stealing points. Uh, good for them, because at, at a time, we were they were in serious risk of being in relegation. Uh, but now they're starting to get, get string these wins together, get these late wins, get some goals. Um, progression, definitely in the right right direction, right? Well, first of all, I didn't know they had Kool Aid in Italy, um, so you're <laughs> you, you kind of you kind of froze me on that. Laxalt uh, got it from uh, Uruguay, probably. Oh. <laughs> or is it? Uh, or did he go over to Peru and get some of that yellow uh, that, that that yellow soda that <laughs> uh, that Berti drinks? Hi, Brian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, but we've been seeing this with Genoa, haven't we? Uh, under Balladini, it, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough. It's going to be rigid. Uh, yeah. You're 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 going to spend 90 minutes in a dentist chair playing them uh, from from here on out because they're not going to give you much. And it's um, worked every time. Yep, and it's worked every time. And again, that man Diego Luxalt, uh, you know, the man in the end to come through. I think this just kind of confirms our concerns about Kievo even more. Um, you know, they're, I agree with you. They're destined for the bottom at this point. Yeah, the the, the free fall just continues. I mean, your your boy was in there, Pelissier, and he he lasted sixty minutes. He couldn't figure it out. Um, Bobby English was in there. He didn't do much either. I'm sorry, Pelissier came on as a sub in the sixty minutes. They gave him a, yeah. So Bobby English, they didn't. Here's probably what it was: your two boys didn't play together. Um, Inglesi started, and then uh, uh, Pelissier went in for him. So, uh, but but joking aside, this is a problem. And and again, this is. It's mystifying because Kiev will have the players. Um, I think that Rolando Moran's days are numbered. If he's not sacked, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday night here in North America. If he's not, if we're not waking up on Monday morning and and and, and seeing and not seeing that he's sacked, he's got some compromising pictures of the Kiev owners. It's the only way he's keeping that job at this point because this is just a free fall right now for the donkeys. Yeah, and, if, they don't, um, if they don't they don't pull the plug soon, they're going to be down. They're going to be out. They're going to be Serie yeah. B. And it's going to be a shame because, like you said, they have very talented players on this squad. They should be doing better. On paper, they are a much better team. They're a middle-of-the-table middle, middle of the table team, but they are not playing like it at all. Big trouble for them, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I... It's a problem there, but you know you're you're in for it playing Genoa these days. Um, it's not going to be fun, and um, you, if if you want to watch Genoa play, you're you're not going to like it. It's going to be really negative. Uh, but uh, Davide, Davide Balladini doesn't care. He's trying to keep Genoa up. He's trying to move them up the table. 
uh, and this is the way he's going to do it. So, uh, and it has been relatively successful. He has stymied some pretty good teams here. Just came off a win at Lazio too. So this is very, very impressive from the Grifone. Um, and should make that uh, that Derby della Lanterna is around the corner. That should make it a little bit more compelling. That's right. Uh, so, uh, so we will, uh, we shall see. So, all right. Well, moving on, we had uh, also part of the uh, multi calcio package. Which uh, okay, if uh, Cagliari Sassuolo wasn't what wasn't your thing, Chievo Genoa wasn't your thing. Then you had Inter and Bologna. Uh, you know, Bologna starting to be into a starting to get into a little bit of a slide here under Roberto Donadoni. Maybe the novelty wearing off with them. Uh, Inter right now desperate for some kind of result, some kind of win, something they can hang their hat on. It has been a very miserable start to 2018 for Luciano Spalletti's men. You maybe argued last week that the novelty weared off. Um, but uh, Inter, it would be Inter that gets off to the good start. Jan Carmo uh, got the ball in a wide area and two minutes in. De Luce, De Maio, Sinfina, Brozovic, il crossbasso! La zampata di Eder! L'Inter in vantaggio! Eder getting a goal that... It's another ugly goal. He kind of fell down as he struck it, and um, it, it put Inter ahead 1-0. He was being marked by Giancarlo Gonzalez, who has just played his way into the crap on a cracker team, <laughs> along with who is the schmuck that got in there last week? Um, oh, man, I forgot. It's on my other notes, some other paper. On the, one of the, he's on, uh, on Crotone, right? The, the defender from Crotone. So yeah, yeah. Make a note of that. Giancarlo Gonzalez, crap on a cracker team. And another one that was supposed to mark Ader and let him score. Uh, so both of them are in, um, he should also quit. Um, you, your days as a footballer should be numbered if you're letting Ader beat you to a near post and score. Um, so that put Inter ahead. I mean, it was, you know, uh, fine. Ader scored two straight weeks. The sun, sun's got to shine on a dog's ass too, doesn't it? He does. It does. And he's a, a big dog's ass there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Inter were enjoying this uh, 1-0 lead, but then just in the 25th minute, uh, uh, Miranda having flashbacks, thinking Rodrigo Palacio was still on his team. Occhio Palacio, in area di rigore, Palacio, esita, Palacio! Senza pietà! La firma dell'ex al 25esimo, 1-1! Well, let's be realistic. I have no idea what Miranda was doing with the ball there, but anyway, it fell nicely to Rodrigo Palacio, who put it away, and... This player scored on his former team and didn't celebrate, Richard. Yeah, and that's that's a classy move by Palacio. He's had a great season at Inter, and he scored a great goal in this one. Obviously, a beautiful pass by Miranda. I don't know what the hell he was doing there. But, uh, yeah, no, that's exactly what you expect when you play a former team. Uh, he didn't celebrate. Uh, that's exactly – it's a very classy move by him. Absolutely. Um it was uh, 1-1 at halftime, and then in the 63rd minute, we mentioned Jan Karamo with the service to Eder on the first goal, uh, and then uh, did a little more work to put Inter ahead. Karamo, buono lo scambio, ancora Karamo, il sinistro! È un gol fantastico! Johan Karamo, 2-1 Inter! Richard, had it not been for a couple of the beauties that Napoli scored uh, against Lazio, we'd probably be talking about Karamo's goal a little bit more. Yeah, uh, what a strike by the player. He he had himself a very good game from the beginning yeah. to the end uh, for his appearance. Um, good for him. I mean, there was a lot of hype about this guy, you know, coming to the season. We're wondering how he would do it with Spalletti. 
Um, he's starting to find his footing uh, with Inter, and he's getting the opportunities now. And hopefully, we see a lot more of this player because uh, he's the performances he's having is keeping you know big time players off the pitch, and he's actually you know helping the team succeed in winning. So yeah, he's going to score goals like this. He's going to get more opportunity, and um, Spalletti is going to have the trust in him that he he did not have at the beginning of the season. And Bologna behaving badly. Ibrahim Mbaye getting a second yellow in the 68th minute. And then in the 95th minute, a straight red for Adam Massina. Uh, so some uh, selection issues await Roberto Donadoni uh, for that upcoming match at home against Sassuolo. Uh, worried for Donadoni, or do you think it's a situation, their next three games, Sassuolo at home, Genoa at home, Spall away, uh, going to be given that opportunity to put it right and try and consolidate their place. Luckily for Donadoni, there's enough crap teams in the league that he's going to be fine about being. Re- he's not going to get relegated by any stretch. Uh, but they're better than this. Yeah. Um, they started out the season so well, and they've kind of been sliding down the table ever since. Um, they have, like I said, they have good players. Simone Verde is still there. Um, Donadoni is a, a very more than capable coach uh, in this league. So it it is a little bit worrisome, but I think um, they'll be able to find some way to get results at, at these next you know few stretches of games and for the rest of the season really. And they need to um, just for confidence sakes. I think that's what they're lacking. They're lacking right now, obviously, is, is confidence. Um, you get a couple goals early on, it'll help build that confidence. Uh, Palacio obviously scoring is, is a big help, uh, but they need to get the rest of the guys scoring, um, and that's really the problem right now is the lack of goals. Uh, if they can find some way, if Donadoni can find some way to, to muster up that magic, uh, they'll be back into the in the right way. I, I should say they should they'll be moving back up to the table, up the table, maybe back into mid mid table where they should be. But um, I'm not too worried right now. But it is a little worrisome just to see how they've been stringing these losses, you know, consecutively. Ricardo Orsolini getting his first start for Bologna in this game. That's worth noting. It was kind of a math performance. Uh, nothing to. Nothing to get terribly excited about. So, uh, but yeah, Bologna, uh, these next three will be critical to just officially maybe consolidate their place with Serie A next season. Um, but I agree with you. No, no real danger. Um, but, uh, you know, on 27 points, I mean, just uh, 10 points clear of the drop. So uh, relatively safe, but, uh, better get some things done here over the next, uh, three games to, uh, to firm that up. So. Uh, I think you've got Sampdoria Hellas Verona for us. So, Sampdoria Verona. Surprisingly, this match would go into the half 0 0. Um, Verona, they've been playing pretty well as of late, Frank, uh, but Sampdoria have shown that they are coming out of their slumber. Um, they had been going in for a torrid stretch uh, after that, that famous win against Juventus. They've been slowly, their performance has been poor after poor after poor game. Um, but they're starting in this last few weeks showing that they have some glimmer of uh, their hope is back. Uh, old man Quagliarella is scoring again. Uh, the team's trying to get that swagger back. So Verona knew that they would have to be be in it for the whole 90, not just 45, right, Frank? Absolutely. I mean, uh, coming coming into this, a four-game unbeaten run, and it's not like that they, uh, you know, it's not like they beat up on the weak and the sad. They beat Fiorentina, they, they, they drew Roma, and then beat them, and then they uh, drew Torino. So... Uh, a respectful, a respectable four-game unbeaten run for the uh, for the Blucrati. Absolutely. Uh, so you know, like I said, halftime zero zero. Uh, but but in the fiftieth minute, second half, five minutes after uh, the stoppage, 
Gianluca Caprari uh, swung in a beautiful pass that found the Paraguayan Edgar Barreto for the header and Sampdoria up 1-0. Uh, it was a goal, long time coming for, for Sampdoria. Um, once that goal went in, it seemed that they relaxed the team. Uh, they were starting to play the way they were normal to play. You know, not to mention the first half, uh, if you, I don't know if you saw, but Duvan Zapata had a glorious opportunity that was uh, saved by Nicolas. I, I, actually, it was Nicolas who made the mistake, um, gave it away, and Duvan Zapata had a glorious opportunity. Luckily, Nicolas is there. Nicolas has had big saves uh, all throughout the season. Um, he's had way too many shots to face, but so maybe that's why it's been amplified, kind of like Skorupski was last year. Yeah, he kept, he kept them competitive last week against Roma. Uh, and did the same here against Sampdoria. Sampdoria just peppered his net. Uh, I think 17 shots in this game. Uh, so, um, you know, Verona having some issues defensively, but Nicholas uh, here in these last couple of weeks have, have really bailed, bailed them out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this game uh, would stay actually 1-0 for a long time. And then in the 85th minute, for some reason, Matea Velotti fouls Davide Kovnetsky in, in the box, and a penalty was awarded. Who do you think is going to step and take that? No one else other than Fabio Oldman Qualiarella stepped up, gets the 17th goal of the season for him, closed out the game 2-0 with the win. Fabio, man, he's he's moving up the charts. He's getting closer to that 20-goal mark, Frank. Uh, can he get it is the question. Well, you know, as, 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 as a middle-aged man, he's the guy I'm cheering for uh, to win this Capo Cananieri, even though uh, I picked Moro Icardi to win it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, great to see him, uh, continuing to score goals at a very high level and, uh, you know, albeit a penalty, uh, but has proven he can score in the run of play. So, uh, you know, the old man still got it and he's been, um, he's, he, he's been a source of goals here for Sampdoria. And that win was important for Sampdoria because before this match, uh, with Milan's victory over Spal, they actually equaled, uh, Sampdoria on points at 38, but with the three points here, uh, Sampdoria move ahead to 41 points, so they remain three points ahead of Milan. But they know they had to; they're going to have to, you know, keep playing well because Milan has started to found, they've found their form as of late. So um, good for Sampdoria to keep keep it going. On the other hand, though, Verona, while it was a, I guess, a moral victory, they're still not getting the points that they need to to stay up in this league. They're running out of time. Um, they are. They are. You know, they're sitting in their 19th on 16 points, which is not a horrible situation to be in. You know, Spall having their struggles. Uh, one of these two, and we talked about Kievo, you know, one of these two are going to have a chance to get out. You know, it's going to be a matter of who wants to grab it. So uh, Spall, Verona, Spall might be slightly better equipped uh, at this point, but either team are capable, either team are going to have the opportunity here uh, down the stretch. Um, you know, if, you know, it's, it's, it's there for the taking, getting out is there for the taking for either of them. You know, Verona just took their lumps here these last two games, showed they can be competitive and showed they could hang in there against some very good teams that might serve them well, uh, as they play the teams around them in the table. No, I, no, that's absolutely true. And, um, we'll see how, how the season pans out, but uh, they got to string some results here to at least get a couple, some draws in there just to keep getting the points. Uh, try to get there. I mean, obviously, you know, with Kievo, they're probably going to be be right in the thick of it very soon. If you know, uh, before just before they know it, if Moran, you know, remains on the team. But you know, a game I was looking forward to, other than the Sampdoria Verona, was actually Torino Udinese. Yeah. Uh, this match, you know, it had two teams who put on excellent performances as of late. 
Both teams will certainly try to make a push for Europa League uh, this season. The match started out with chances going both ways. Uh, Torino did have the better of the play. The scoring, though, would open in the 32nd minute uh, off a Torino corner kick. Nicolas Nkulo uh, scores his second of the year and will keep that score going into the half. Uh, 1-0. Uh, very good header off the off the corner kick piece. I didn't catch who who, who had the corner kick, but um, well done by Ancolo to get that get that goal for Torino. Definitely, um, and uh, this is an area where you can get Udinese. I mean, obviously, you can also get them in the run of play, right? Um, but uh, they're one of these teams. They're one of these teams in these leagues that's that's certainly susceptible to giving up uh, uh, giving up goals uh, on set pieces like corners. Yeah, and uh, there's a name that's been missing from our goal scoring uh, with Torino. Uh, Andrea Balotti, Frank, uh, he was starting to look like his old self in this one. He had uh, plenty of opportunities setting up plays. But in the 66th minute, we'd seen the return of Il Gallo. Andrea Bellotti outpaced and outmuscled Danilo and placed a perfectly uh, aimed shot past Udinese keeper. The crowd went ballistic when he scored and the smile on his on the Italian's face is back. Um, you want to know how much this means to the fans. The announcer and the crowd seemingly kept repeating his name for minutes, it seemed. Frank, <laughs> Frank can this get Bellotti back on the goal-scoring track? Well, it's not going to hurt. Um, you know, it's... Uh... You know, the way Matsadi is going to have this team situated, it just seems ideal. Now, uh, there's a matter of the derby uh, coming up here uh, against Juventus next Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you're going to score, get it done here before that game and give yourself a little bit of confidence. Now, he's in for a challenge with, we've already mentioned, Juventus haven't even given up a goal this calendar year. Um, so he's going to have his challenges there. But you know, that game aside, Verona, Crotone, you know, Roma's shaky, as we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Fiorentina, there are some games here where Belotti can get back on track, build his confidence up, and and, and reassert Urbano Cairo's uh, ridiculous uh, sale price for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's remained the same price, but but you could tell when that goal was scored how much he loves playing there and how much the fans love him. Uh, it's just great to see him back on the score sheet for us and and getting his goals uh, mentioned in here. I think this is it for Udinese as far as a European push. You think? Um, yeah, I, they're eight points off of uh, Fiorentina, um, and I you're looking at their next four games. Uh, hosting Roma at, at Sampdoria, hosting Fiorentina at Udinese. Oof. I have a hard time finding where those points are going to come from. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they can beat Fiorentina at home, uh, but I, I don't know about these other three games for them. As much as I like uh, Massimo Odo and the way he's got them playing, the, the, the young talent on that team, I don't think that the, it's in the cards for them to make a push uh, for a Europa League place they could certainly still try to have a top-half finish, which I think would be very commendable considering what Odo inherited. Uh, but I, I think that this was a quote-unquote European elimination game 
between these two teams and Torino getting all three points and being a little bit closer uh, to six, being that much closer to six was important. Are you in agreement with me that Massimo Odo is the right guy for Udinese? I think he is. Uh, you know, I think that, he, you know, here's the, th- here's the thing, you know, he, he wants to play an attractive brand of football. I think that he is getting more out of some of this talent than uh, Luigi Nelneri was able to get, uh, namely Antonin Barak. Um, you know, we know about Jakob Yankto. Uh, we know about Rodrigo De Paul. Kevin Lasagna is making a bit of a name for himself over there. But there's some of these other some of these other guys that are just, you know, they're only known to the most diehard Serie A fans and Udinese fans. They're not really known. Um, you know, as household names, but Odo's getting a good bit out of them. Yeah, um, he he's maximize he's maximizing them. So, no, I think he's in a great spot. He's the right man for this job, and you know, I hope the Pozzo family, you know, keep their faith in him. Uh, you know, and give him give him another year to be on this to prove his wares. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does again with a second year with the team, um, especially the team with the talented as as Udinese are. Yep. You got one more match to tell us about. I do. Uh, the Sunday night game to cap things off. We had Roma playing host to Benevento. I'm going to pat myself on the back and I'll tell you why when we get into the highlights of these goals. Actually, it was scaring me for a little bit. I made the declaration last week, Richard, and I know it's Benevento and it's at home for Roma, but what did I say last week about Roma? Get ready for them to get back on track. Yep. Because January's over. Jekko's still there. Uh, this all falls well uh, for Roma to to make a push and cement a Champions League place for next season. Because let's the it's it's it with the way the table is right now, it's Napoli or Juventus for the title. Nobody's coming close. But right now, Roma have a battle on their hands just to keep a Champions League place. And out of right now, we got to say three teams for two places until somebody else proves otherwise. Uh, Roma, Inter, and Lazio. Roma are the best equipped. Now, they come into this game against Benevento. Roberto De Zerbi's team has obviously played a lot better. And they were the team. Roma were flying forward, generating a lot of chances, um, looking dangerous going forward. But Benevento's first real attack produced a shock. Ancora si porta il pallone sul sinistro! E il Benevento a sorpresa va in vantaggio! La rete di Guilherme che porta il Benevento sull'1-0 all'Olimpico! Jeremy scoring. Is that how you pronounce it, Jeremy? Yeah, I think so. Jeremy. That's, that's a hard yeah. one. Yeah, Jeremy scoring. Um, nice goal. Much, uh, much needed lead for Benevento, but for me, very, very casual uh, on the part of Manolas. Uh, yeah, and Allison didn't do too well on the shot either. No, no. Uh, so... You know, I think more disappointing for Roma from a defensive standpoint, but when you're Benevento and you, you'll take every goal you can get. Uh, so certainly they're not complaining. Uh, Roma would Roma monopolized possession in this game. They monopolized the chances. There is no real surprise to any of that. Um, and in the 26th minute, they would get a set piece uh, and their pressure would finally pay off through Federico Fazio. A um, little bit of uh, trickery at the origin of where the set piece was taken. Uh, instead of Perotti serving it in, he just played it short for Kolarov. Kolarov played a driven cross perfectly to Fazio's head. No, certainly nothing the goalkeeper was doing, going to do about it. That made it 1-1. It would go into halftime at 1-1. Uh, 
And then uh, would stay that way until just before the hour mark where that man who's going to be oh so important to Roma from here on out. Cerca di attivarsi il turco, mette il pallone in mezzo per Ceco! La Roma in vantaggio, segna sempre Edin Ceco! Richard Edin Ceco was very dangerous in the first half, finally got his goal here in the 59th minute. Start of a run for him? Yeah, I think so, uh, especially with a, a player you're going to mention here in a second who, who can help him uh, in, that, in that respect. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's going to be there. He knows that uh, if he even wants a, a sniff at a move in the summer, he's going to have to play well, and I, I see some goals coming in him again uh, for the second half of the season. Yeah, we'll talk about that player right now because three minutes later, well, no Mohamed Salah, well, no problem. All'indietro, il tiro! Secondo gol consecutivo in sette giorni. E allora la Roma sale sul 3-1. Chenji's Under, who is now occupying that flank, scoring in the 62nd minute. He would add, a, he would make it a brace in the 75th, and I believe it was him that was on the assist for Aiden Dzeko's goal. Yes. Uh, absolutely brilliant in this game. Uh, you know, just a minute after Under's brace, uh, Brignola for Benevento would get a consolation. Uh, a Gregoire de Frel penalty in stoppage time, would give Roma a fifth. They win 5-2. I love it when I'm right, Richard. <laughs> you were right. Um, I know. It's uh, Benevento, though. I mean, we've got to... It is. It I got to pump the brakes a little bit, but I, I, I said it right after last week. I said... Get ready for get ready for Roma now. <laughs> so but we can't we can't use that Benevento card. I mean, Milan knows that very well. So I mean, right. uh, you have to come. You have to show up every game, and and Roma did. They showed up with five goals. And Chinguez Under, uh, what a performance he had! I thought he was very instrumental in the win. Uh, like you said, he's a replacement for Mo Salah, and w- with him and El Sharawi, I think Jeco is due for some big goals uh, coming here. Yeah, uh, I think that it's. I think that it's set up really well here for the next 14 games for him. Uh, Diego Perotti getting back out there, looking really dangerous. Um, you know, Kolarov getting forward. I, you know, I saw Solano tweeting, you know, Florenzi having his struggles uh, at right back still, uh, that maybe he is still more of a midfielder. Uh, he's kind of keeping the position warm until Roma can maybe get that figured out. I still get concerns. Alexson's an excellent goalkeeper. I still have concerns about Manolas's form. It was rather casual today. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, especially on that first goal. But, uh, you know, no Lorenzo Pellegrini, no Roger Reinglund through suspension, and Roma still scored five. So um, it shows you, yeah, shows you some of the depth that they have, and they can, they can spring forward with this uh, with a lot of confidence. Benevento, just not a lot to say about them. They just they walked into a buzzsaw today. Yeah, I mean, uh, you knew it was going to happen. Uh, at least we thought that for sure. Um, but Benevento, you know, they have been uh, playing much better as of late. Uh, they're, they're not the hapless team that they, they were at the beginning of the season. They've gotten some goals in recent. I think they got more goals in the last month than they had in the first uh, five months of the season. So um, they're, fine. they're figuring out at least how to score now, but they just got to still figure a way to keep the goals out. Yep, indeed. Indeed. So that wrapped up this uh, this match week 24 in Serie A. Uh, as we expected all the way back to our preview pod, it is a two-horse race for the Scudetto and officially officially so as Napoli 63 points, Juve 62 points, and then the next nearest team is Inter on 48. And how about that? Inter, Roma, Lazio 48-47 46, uh, the fight for those Champions League places are going to be just as fun. Oh, yeah. And dare I say, Sampdoria and even AC Milan with the form that they're in 
are outside players in this hunt. At this point, it's Sampdoria and Atal- Atalanta. Sampdoria and Milan playing for that uh, last Europa League spot. Don't I mean? Don't forget about Atalanta and Torino. But um, it seems like those two are the ones going to be fighting for that last that last uh, Europa League spot because I don't think you know you're going to be able to catch Lazio, Roma, and Inter at this point. Uh, they're t- those three teams are playing quite well, well enough at least I should say that to keep ahead of the other other teams. So um, it's that last spot unless uh, you know Milan finds some way to win Coppa Italia. I don't think that uh, they're going to have anything better than Europa League. Yeah, but 14 games left, long, long way to go. Anything's um, possible. Anything's possible. This absolutely. So, you know, I at the moment I'm going to be practical and say it's Inter, Roma, and Lazio fighting for those last two plays, last two Champions League spots. Um, and that you're right, uh, Milan, Sampdoria are probably fighting for, uh, for sixth. Um, at the moment, Atalanta and Torino are still in that discussion as well. Uh, you know, based on the points that they're at. And then relegation battle getting still still relatively interesting. I think the uh, the steam is out for Benevento, 14 points from safety. It's just done and dusted for them. Um, Spal and Verona have their chances if, if, if some of these teams in front of them can slip up. Uh, right now I'm looking at 15, 16, 17, Sassuolo, Chievo, Cotone. 23, 22, 21, and I think Kievo is in the most trouble out of those three teams as we've been as we've been discussing. Oh, I agree. Uh, I think Crotone have played much better lately, um, but Kievo, if they don't get their act together, I, I think Spal could find a way to catch them. Maybe Verona, but um, Kievo have been struggling really mightily lately, and and they need a, they need a change up top. It's what they need. Indeed. Anything else jumping out at you with this, uh, with the table and how things are, are shaking out at this point? I mean, the rest of these teams, I think, are kind of uh, about where we expected them. I think we hoped Fiorentina would have gotten their act together and been on the move yeah, at this point. But uh, yeah, in eleventh pla- place, Fiorentina. That, that, it's it's sad, really, because the the quality they have in their team, the young players they have in their team, you'd expect so much more of them. But then. Right behind them, quietly, is Genoa in 12th. Uh, they were struggling for the better part of the season. Davide Balladini comes in, uh, gets them in the right in the right way, and now they're slowly they're ahead of Bologna now, ahead of Cagliari, Sassuolo. So good for Genoa. Um, they're getting out of that relegation battle, and uh, they're into safety now. And it's good because Mattia Perin doesn't deserve uh, to be in the relegation battle. Well, this is well, this is it with with Genoa. I mean, this this tells you what a dentist chair you're sitting in when you play against them. You look at the bottom ten teams; uh, they've conceded only 25 goals in 24 games, and then it's Fiorentina on 31, uh, and then after that it's Cagliari on 34, and then after that you look at 37, 41, 46, 48, 56. That just to- shows you the fight that you're going to be in for when you play the Vifoni, as we've been saying. So, um, you know, so. Certainly there, and then uh, at the top, you know, as far as as far as defenses, Napoli and Juve are the best defense, are our joint best defense in Serie A, each fifteen goals allowed, and maybe Juventus won and Napoli won a, considering that Juventus gave up most of their goals at the beginning of the season. So, um, but uh, but you know, plenty of storylines. Uh, Serie A certainly having a lot up for grabs here compared to some of the other leagues in Europe. So it'll continue to be exciting from here on out. What did you catch uh, on Match Week 24 that was interesting to you? Go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, before we put a bow on this one, we're going to talk a little UEFA Nations League. All right, Richard. Well, UEFA decided that 
apparently there are too many friendlies on these uh, on these international breaks, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so they developed a uh, concept uh, here where the national teams can be in competition with each other rather than having, you know, in addition to qualifiers for the European Championships or the World Cup, uh, they have created a UEFA Nations League. Um, they had the draw for this back on January 24th to determine who was going to play who. Um, and let's just, I'm, I'm just going to give a little background for the way it works and we can kind of comment on it and we'll talk about Italy's, uh, Italy's group. Um, you know, and go from there. So basically you have 55 member nations of UEFA and uh, UEFA has divided that into four leagues, league A, 12 teams, league B, 12 teams, uh, league C, uh, 15 teams and league D, 16 teams, uh, you know, to round it out. And obviously league A having the top 12 ranked teams, according to coefficient league, you know, league B, the next 12, uh, league C, the next 15. League D, the next 16. Um, the way this is going to work is the League A, for example, are going to be four groups of three teams that are going to play each other in a round robin um, over the course of a few match days um, that are going to take place in September and October and November of this year. Okay. Uh, the top team in each group in League A will be in a four-team semifinal third place and championship playoff in the summer of 2019 to determine the winner of the UEFA Nations League. Uh, the bottom team of each group in group A in, in League A gets relegated to League B. The top teams in each group in League B get promoted to League A, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, there's also a correlation to qualifying for Euro 2020. Um, now, the Euro 2020 itself is going to have a separate line of qualifying. They're going to have 10 groups. And are you following me, Richard? <laughs> it's yeah, a, I think it's so. A lot to, it's a lot to digest. Carry um, to three. So yeah, I think take, I'm with you. Take, take notes, yeah. So 10 groups, the top two teams in each of those groups qualify outright for Euro 2020, leaving four places available, okay? Um, 20 teams qualify, leaving four places available for the 24. The top four ranked teams from each of these four leagues that didn't qualify for Euro 2020 through that qualifying phase will have a four-team playoff with the winner of that four-team playoff going to Euro 2020. So the top four ranked teams from League A altogether that didn't qualify for Euro 2020 will be in a playoff. And the way I understand it, those four teams will play off for one of those teams to be represented at Euro 20 to, to make it to Euro 2020 league B league C league D. All right. So that's, that's the other connection to this, but the idea is to remove friendlies, make national team competition more attractive, more meaningful. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, how do you see it? I think it's more opportunity for players to get injured while they're with their national team. I get why they're doing oh, it. Oh, you're sure. negative. You're negative. Come on. I am. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I don't, it, it can work if they yeah. use the they use this opportunity to let their younger players play. Guys, like especially like teams like Germany who have such a plethora of talent on their team, let their younger guys play more. Uh, Yogi Love definitely does this all the time, but 
Um, will will Syria? Oh, Syria. Will will Italy um, let their younger players play? Let their under twenty three players play? Uh, you know, Bernadeschi, Chiesa, all these guys get an opportunity to get some ample time. If that's the case, I'm for it. Uh, but I'm going to be negative on this because I think it's more opportunity for for players to get injured and then. Uh, that'll affect not only the Serie A season, but then the World Cup. You know, following that, if you get a big injury, so I'm on the fence. I get it. It's definitely better than the friendlies because nobody really cared about the friendlies unless it was a big matchup, and even then, so. Um, but it, it's a, it's a fun idea for sure. Uh, it's bragging rights for if you if you win. Um, no doubt about that. Uh, so I can see how the bigger teams are going to want to to do well in this. Uh, but it's really a, a chance also for maybe them to get the FIFA rankings better and more correct. Um, some of these rankings are undeserved, I think. And if with this tournament, maybe well, these teams are going to get sorted out and, and relegated uh, because of it. Um, there, you know, at one time USA was ranked seventh. You know, many years ago, had they been in this a tournament like this, well, obviously this is is for your uh, European teams. Um, uh, but still, teams like that are that are overly ranked. Uh, would get put in their place really quick when they play, play all the big boys. Yeah, I'm probably in the minority then that I think this is a good idea. I'm just tired of meaningless friendlies. I get that it's good to the national team managers can, you know, have games to get a look at other players. Now, the way this is formatted is I think they, they'll play each other home and away. So four of the match, you know, so there's six match days in total, September, October, November. So four of the six match days are going to be involved in the group play, and the other two they're going to be able to use for friendlies. So the friendlies are still going to be there to an extent where the managers can do some experimenting. And I can imagine that on a FIFA break where they have a match in the Nations League, but then also a friendly within that week, that they might be allowed to call up two different squads for that. Uh, because I don't think they, you know, they'll call up one squad for the Nations League game, but then I think they would want to use an entirely different cast of players for the friendly, um, you know, as an example. I, I can see the clubs maybe being upset about this because this is going to tire out some of yeah. their key players. Um, but from a competition standpoint, I like the idea. I like the concept. I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. Um, so, so all qualification to to the Europe uh, to uh, the Euros is going to come based off of what happens in the United Champions League or United Nations League, right? No, no, it's no. Uh, Euro twenty twenty is going to be a separate thing of qualifying. They're going to do a draw for that. Um, that begins in I want to say March of twenty nineteen, um, and it'll be ten groups. Um, I think there's five. Five groups are going to have five teams, and then the other there's going to be five groups that are going to have six teams. And the top two teams from each group will from from each of those ten groups will qualify directly to Euro 2020. And then the other four teams that will be at Euro 2020 will come from playoffs of these you know the top ranked teams from the Nations League playing off that didn't qualify directly. So kind of a second chance. So say like a Netherlands botches it in qualifying again, well they'll have this qualifying playoff to to have a second chance. So um, speaking of them, did you hear that Ronald Koeman got the job there for the Netherlands? I did, I did. Um, you know, I, I talked to a couple of our our Dutch friends about that, and and they're not particularly excited about it, but. I love it for one, but that's another story. That's uh, another country. Let's not worry about that. But I just wanted to yep. bring it up real quick. Yep, we'll see what happens. But let's talk about how this pertains to Italy because they're they got drawn in a group with Portugal and Poland. Um, 
Uh, I'll, I'll run through the other groups, at least as far as League A is concerned. Uh, group one's a doozy. Germany, France, and the Netherlands. Um, group Yowza. Yeah, group two is Belgium, Switzerland, and Iceland. And group three is Portugal, Portugal, Italy, and Poland. And then group four, Spain, England, and Croatia. So yeah, it's it's a dogfight. And so Italy has to go against Ronaldo and Lewandowski. Yes, right? yes. Um, you know, and to 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 avoid really to avoid being sent down to League B um, is is really what that's what that's about. So um, you know. We'll see. I mean, it's a lot of unknowns. The other thing is, is how much longer is Ronaldo, is Ronaldo even going to be there this fall? Is, is the World Cup his last international competition? Because he's not going to play forever. What is he, 33? I mean, Yeah, he but he's a, he's a workout of hog. I think he lasts longer than Messi, I think, just because his work ethic. Um, sure. He's not going to be as fast. He'll probably be an out-and-out striker eventually. But um, I think he'll be around for a little bit longer. And hypothetically speaking, though, it's going to really depend on who Italy hires manager and what his ideas are going to be. Yeah, yeah. But you have to think it's going to be a better managed Italy. It's not going to be the gloom and doom of what we put up with in this World Cup campaign. And oh, let's hope. I think they can hang with Portugal and Poland. Um, I don't know if they're going to go to this Nations League semifinals in the summer of 2019. Uh, but I think they can remain in League A. At whose expense, that's hard to figure. I probably would say it would be at Poland's expense. Um, yeah. With know. the right manager, with Conte or Ancelotti, I could see them for sure doing well. Yeah. It just depends who they bring in. If they bring in uh, Numnuts back again or someone to, like of his like, then it's not going to be likely. But I hope that they're going to be smarter about it this time around. Yeah. So with you, the jury's out on the Nations League. More than anything, you're, you're, yeah. you're worried about just more games for the players to have to log on and more risk of injuries. For me, I'm, I can see what UEFA is trying to do from the business aspect of it. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how it's going to work, and I may be a little more optimistic about it. I guess that's probably how we're gonna, how we're gonna leave it at that. So yeah, yeah. Um, and as for Italy's prospects in the group that they're in, uh, we don't think that they'll be in the in the Nations League semifinals in the summer of 2019, but. We also don't think they're going to drop down to League B, so we think that they'll finish second. <laughs> so, depending on who they have, if they if, if somehow Conti is is as the manager, he brings back some of that magic. They could win that group for sure, uh, but it just depends on who the hiring is, really. So it's going to be a wait and see to find out first who bring who they bring in, and then go from there. Exactly, uh, it's an it's an effort to make some of these national team games a lot more meaningful uh, when they're not in major international competitions. So I understand the concept. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, in Richard's case, the jury is still out maybe more than I think the jury is out, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all unfolds later this fall. So something to look forward to uh, when you're wondering when the Azuri are going to lace them back up. So obviously with no World Cup, that's the next big thing for, uh, for the, you, the next big competition for Italy is actually not that far away. It's, it's going to come pretty quick in the form of the UEFA Nations League. So um, if you've had a chance to look into this, give us your reaction, your thoughts on Italy's chances with Portugal and Poland. Uh, at Serie Sit Down or Instagram. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Serie Sit Down. Time for a shameless plug uh, or two. Richard, uh, where can they find you? Uh, and then if there's anything you're up to? Uh, not plugging anything this week, not yet. Um, okay. uh, but you can find me at R underscore K H A R M A N on Twitter. And since Richard has agreed with me about Juventus, I'll be looking for a new co-host. So if you're interested, please send your resume. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, 
No, but you can find me at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Uh, soon to be released, I think, as early as Monday. Um, we talked about the we, – we previewed the uh, Serie A team's chances in the UEFA Champions League and in Europa League through the first leg. Um, here in these upcoming competitions on last week's pod, I get a little more into detail in my upcoming blog piece. Uh, also with uh, some names that you – uh, might want to watch out for as far as each team's opponent. We know Tottenham have Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, Deli Alley, uh, Min Song. We know uh, uh, RB, RB Leipzig have the likes of Emil Forsberg and Nabi Keita. Uh, but maybe some of these other teams you're not as familiar with. Obviously, Dortmund have, uh, you know, how do Dortmund look now that they're changed up without Obama Young? Uh, what are Ludogratz going to throw at Milan? What is Jao Bucharest going to throw at Lazio? Uh, and what can Roma look forward to when they head to the Ukraine here in about, oh, 10 days' time from now? So uh, do look out for that. Gives you a little bit more detail along with uh, my final predictions on each of those games, which really aren't different from what I said last week. So uh, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, Turin Derby, pretty simple. Juventus is going to win. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's uh, are they gonna give up any goals? Is the question. Yeah, that's just uh, that's just it. You gotta you, you gotta look out for that. And um, uh, I I think that it's uh, it's in it's at Torino, but I don't think that's gonna stop Juve from winning two nil. Um, uh, you know they'll be buoyed by after they beat Tottenham, uh, in leg one. Uh, just trying to see some of these other any other games. You got Atalanta, Fiorentina. Uh, and you've got Milan Sampdoria uh, also. Uh, Ooh, that's uh, a big game right there. That's this a huge position. This for position in the table. Huge one for table position, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to drink the Kool Aid that Luxalt's obviously drinking in Italy. Uh, I'm going, I'm going with Milan. <laughs> Milan for the win, two uh, one. Yeah, I, I'm going with you with that. I think uh, Milan has played really well as of late. Um, I, I'll, I'll set that Kool Aid. Sounds good. We'll cover that next week. Have reaction to the European games that took place during the week. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. Be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.